Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pop Culture Podcast. How you all doing? Hope everything's going well in your world at the moment. Uh, I'm enjoying a little bit of sunshine here up in Point Lonsdale and feels a little bit as though summer's come early, even though spring's just started. But I'm, I'm working on my tan a little bit, which has been nice. It's, uh, it's been good to get out on the beach path and, and start cutting a couple of laps, trying to get the summer body ready a little bit. Hey, I've been saying to you for a little while now, if you've been listening, that I'm, I'm pretty keen to, to start bringing some more interviews to the podcast. So it's a very silly podcast usually. This podcast is very, it's a very, very silly podcast. And if you've been listening to it for a while now, well, you know, that's probably not news to you. But uh, today we mix things up a bit and we mix it up in a big way because my oldest friend, my very oldest friend is coming on the podcast. His name is Bert Gershida. We, we share a 40-year-old age gap, 40-year age difference. He's 76 years old. And I say that just to preface the fact that this guy's the happiest, most joyful bloke I've ever met. He's he's content. He's chilled. He's relaxed. He's he's one of those guys that's just got a love for life. And I met him through a running podcast that I host called Relax Running. And this guy's a sports psychologist. He used to work at Northern Arizona University, uh, worked with a number of uh, a number of Olympians, a number of athletes that I know. And uh, I was recommended to get him on that podcast. And we started speaking about maybe just over two years ago, around two years ago, and we hit it off. We, we get on like a house on fire. I met him face-to-face for the first time just a few months ago when I was in Bend in Oregon. And... Uh, I'm excited to introduce you to him. He's he's wise, he's fit, he's healthy, and he, he's just got so much to bring to the table. So, hey, we we get pretty deep. We have a, a little bit of a laugh, but I also ask some pretty uh, pretty deep questions. I'm still learning the process with interviewing. All right, so some of the questions are pretty direct, pretty out there. Give me a break. I'm just figuring it out. We're brand new to this. All right, we'll figure it out together. So, I really hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, it is available over at YouTube as well. So if you just type my name, Tyson Popplestone, there should only be one of those uh, into YouTube. Jump over, subscribe there, enjoy this conversation. Let me know if you enjoy it. As I said, the uh, the the solo podcast will be back. We're going to alternate it: one week interview, one week solo podcast. We'll see how that goes. Anyway, enjoy this conversation with myself and Bert Gershitter. So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual: zero, nothing. <laughs> Great to see you. <laughs> oh, right back at you, man. Right back at you. You know, the amount of times that Jesse and I have spoken about how uh, how much of a blast it was to, to hang with you guys in Bend over the last couple of months. I know I've told you that yeah. I, I would, would yeah. have been a better friend in like the 50s or 60s where there wasn't so much pressure on emails and, and social media, but we definitely talk about you guys a lot. And man, what a blast that was hanging with you uh, in, in Bend. The time just sort of flies by though, doesn't it? Uh, it was... I mean, I mean, when 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 you guys left, when you know, I just we're kind of just still just calm and just going, wow. I mean, it was so one of those times. It was just, it's like I don't know, like we were together our whole lives, and it was just beautiful. I mean, every 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 moment. So I, yeah, we we got this. I got tears in my eyes as I'm talking. <laughs> it was it was awesome, man. It was awesome, and the the meal that you guys put together. How's it all been going since we last saw you? Uh, you know, it's, we have a pretty simple life. You know, we just, uh, li- you know, you saw where we live on the compound with our family. And uh, that's a big part of it. The, the, the kids went to school the other day for the first day of kindergarten. So that was exciting just to 
big life change to see the five-year-old going off into the world and mommy for the first time in nine years is actually was home. So her, her whole life is different. So but life for us has been, uh, thank God, really, really nice. You know, just uh, a lot of good things. Just, just uh, th And this is one of them. I've been looking forward to hanging out with you and, and hearing some of your questions. <laughs> and just so you know, just so you know, you know, you, you sent me like, oh, th these could be, you know, these will be some of the things I'm interested in. And I actually kind of went out of my way not to think about that because I wanted to, I didn't want to prepare. I didn't want to say something that – what I, what I want to do is just uh, see what comes to me, you know, just be be, be spontaneous and and do it that way. So just so you know, I mean, I, I know what they are, but I, I hadn't put a lot of thought about no, these are my I, answers. About these well, are my answers. But, but, it, but it let me know, you know, where, where, where we're, we might be going. Yeah, beautiful, man. Now, the reason I sent it through is because for, for everyone listening, Bert and I have – we actually met through a mutual friend of ours, uh, Dave McNeil, who's a who's a top Australian runner, and I, I host a running podcast out of here, as you know, Bert, because you've been on there a number of times. And um, I think the, the as much as I love talking about running in that part of the world, I felt like some of the themes that me, you, and Dave got into on the running podcast is well, I'm just as interested in those themes as I am in the running world. And I thought, well, maybe the running platform's the wrong place for this particular conversation because I'd love to venture out and so I thought oh, mm -hmm. I better ask you a, or I better send you a bit of an idea of what I'm thinking just so mm -hmm. you've got a bit of an idea that I was thinking a uh, a new direction but I, I think right, some of our right. best conversations uh, like we've learned uh, now uh, are fairly spontaneous and doesn't surprise me at all to hear you say that so um, <laughs> and standard story but this one's the same as the other one wherever we end up it always seems to be interesting so We'll just uh, <laughs> we'll see where it leads us. But I thought, Dive in. as a little way to as a little way to kickstart it, one of the things that I loved when I uh, when I first met you in person, which is crazy to say because we've spoken a fair bit over the podcast the last you know sort of two years, was we got to your house in Bend. It was the first time that we saw you face to face. I knew um, that you are, you've got the record of of my oldest friend, Bert. I think you're seventy six. Are you seventy six? 76 so you've got the 76. you've got the record it's funny you've uh and i walked into your house and i thought i really hope it's uh i, I really hope it's as natural as it feels just go having a chat over the podcast you took me into the study you took me into your studio you sat down you opened one of your books that you you read through on a regular basis and you go here's a verse that i love and you just flick to a random page and read it out and i thought <laughs> man you know when i'm 76 if I can have that much joy about such a small thing, I know I'm heading in the right direction. And that's something that's something that I'm curious about because as much as I hate to admit it, I feel like um, cynicism, whether it's a result of, uh, you know, missing a couple of goals or um, just getting a little bit familiar with the way that life works, it, it, I notice it creeps in without a little bit of work or without a lot of work in my case. I've got to be on the ball to make sure that I'm, not too grumpy, and and Jesse and I can tell you that plenty of times <laughs> I failed miserably. But what I was curious about, and the reason I prefaced this by saying you're my oldest mate at seventy six, is you're cool. also you're also probably the mate that that radiates the most joy out of out of all of my mates. Every time I see you, I don't know if you wow. feel it all the time, but you you've got something deeper going on there. And I was curious to to use that as a bit of a launch pad to the conversation. What what's that about, Bert? How did you how did you manage that? Because I I can't believe that that's something that just happened naturally. <laughs> wow. Stunning question. Good question. 
Um, I, I, I do think that from day one, from the early days, I mean, I was blessed to have good energy. I Really, I, I can't, you know, Michael Jordan had jumping skills. Everybody comes in with, you know, some skills. And, I mean, I was always voted president of my class. And, you know, I mean, whatever that was, I had something, right? Over the past 16 years, and we can talk about sort of the dateliners, but I've just been paying more attention because I've, like everybody, like everybody, you know, I've got internal battles. That's <laughs> sort of the, the the nature of the world. We'll talk more about that or life. Um, but I did get more aligned and more disciplined in my spiritual life and understanding that we are the only ones, um, the only species in the whole planet that actually has free will and we can choose between one thing and another thing. And for past quite a few years, I've just been consciously practicing um, being connected to my gratitude. Um, lying in bed when I can't sleep, just doing my best to be thankful. When my mind really wants to go crazy and be worried about everything. But, but, I, but one of the things that I've, I've gotten better at you practice and practice is know that when those when those negative voices come in, like you were just talking about, they don't have to be the ones that stay there. We've got a whole nother voice that we can choose to do. That most of us are never taught that, and we, and we get to be um, almost a slave to those other voices because it, it's very simple to go. Oh, there's this this wonderful rabbi. Uh, in the 1700s, he called the Baal Shem Tov, and he had a practice that was called uh, uh, trying to think of the Hebrew name, but 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 it's basically called glued to God, glued to God, and and so like all day long, I've sort of practiced being in, in a state of gratitude. It's pretty neat, you know. It's like every every spare moment, and also or every moment that I can, and also when I feel the negative stuff coming in. So I, I believe that that a good part of it. It's just a lot of what I've been paying attention to. I, I, I literally stopped watching the news about five years ago for all kinds of good reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but, but I think primarily is that if, if you just look at the energy of the news, it's not positive. That's the purpose of it. And, and, and as, a, as a culture and maybe even as a species, I, I think we're addicted to that energy. And yeah. Then we get manipulated and that becomes people believe that's the world. And it is, you know, if I, if, if anything, that, that is not the freaking world, excuse mm -hmm. me, you know, but that's the news. That is not the world. So, I was listening. I, I, yeah. yeah Sorry, ahead. Bert, you go on. No, I was going to say, I was listening to a podcast a while ago and a neuroscientist, I think his name was Andrew Huberman was being interviewed and uh, Andrew Huberman flipped the interview on the, on the interviewer. And, uh, and asked about what the interviewer believed was humanity's most enjoyable state of emotion to be in. And the interviewer guessed what I guessed in the moment and say, oh, happiness. And he goes, no, surprisingly, the thing we get the most dopamine release from is mild irritation and mild anger. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because you look at the way that the news is structured or even the YouTube algorithm wow. is structured 
and words like um, anger or can you believe or disaster, it, it tends to steal a lot of the attention. And uh, I, I see that a lot, like mild irritation, especially during the last couple of years here in Australia through COVID, meant there was more than mild irritation that was still in my attention. And the amount of news articles and uh, videos that I was watching based around that subject, I couldn't help but I couldn't help but catch myself a couple of times going, oh man, there's there's something in that. And it's it's wow. it's like not going to the gym, I find. It's it's the easy thing to fall into. It's just sitting on the couch and wow. taking wow. it easy. Whereas the wow. yeah, the the flip side of that is going, all right, well, as you're saying, we've got the opportunity to choose what it is that we focus on. And um I don't know how uh, I guess with anything practice makes it easier, but but how do you find that process? Because getting the ball rolling from going from a negative state of mind to a more positive state of mind is often the hardest part. No question. No question. And, and it doesn't make any difference if you're everybody. I mean, I just I just got off the phone with a guy who's uh you know the best marathoner in his country. And he's battling. You know, or maybe the second, I don't know. He's up there. Anyway, he's he's on the national team. Um and he's battling. The demons on both sides. There's, and, and we, we mapped them out today. The, you know, the one says, I can't do this anymore, you, or you can't do this anymore. You know, your body's falling apart. And the other one says, oh, you're so cool. You're great. You know, so, so, so the demons come in in, in, in two very, however they need to, to get you away from being in that middle part where you're actually connected. So it was just fascinating to, just to talk. I, I was in a group of people. My, my daughter and I were doing a program at the end, of, at the end of a school program a few months ago. And one of the teachers were just talking about the past year. And she said, ma'am, I've been so negative with myself. I just had all these doubts. And I just looked around at the other 25 people and said, how many of you have this? And everybody raised their hand. So I, I, I really come to a, a new awareness, you know, that, and actually I, I, I read it in the book recently too, that if you think there's something wrong with you, cause you have all these, these negative thoughts in a way that's very egotistical because, because who doesn't, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like the human condition, which I think is, it's, it's, it's a beautiful way to look at it. So, you know, I actually forget exactly what your question is, but down this line, what I've come to, recognize more and more and more and i'm so blessed to live to 76 and i don't think i had it at 74 or maybe even 75 but this but this awareness that at any given moment well first of all that we're all in this together the negative voices come that's part of the human condition from the beginning of time and we have a job to do which is not to let them run the show And that's a decision you've made. You've gone, all right, well, if that's the decision I've got to make, I'll work at that. And there's there's a, a lot of strategies. I, I've got a, a list in my phone actually of the most effective things that work for me whenever I catch myself and I'm sort of aware enough to go, all right, Tosh, you, you've, been a, you've been a bit of a dick <laughs> that, I can, that I can go through and, and find really helpful. In fact, I was listening to, do you remember that she was like the pop singer from the 90s is what she's known for. Her name was Jewel. Oh yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't know her. I didn't follow her, but everybody knew the name. Yeah, you know? sure. I, I was exactly the same. Like I was. Yeah. I, I would never admit in public how much I liked her music. But um, I listened to a podcast with her. Uh, she was on Joe Rogan a couple of about twelve months ago, and she said that she pays attention to when she feels free and when she feels stressed. And she started taking a note of where those particular times are. And for me, like too much, too much time on my phone or 
you know, just doing work without going outside and getting some sunlight or whatever, mm. I start to notice that tension building up. Whereas the flip side of that is we live, the, like the beach is just there. We've got a nice bush path. I'll, <laughs> I'll walk up to a, you got it pretty good too. For those listening, Bert's rolling his wow. eyes at me about how tough I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> we've, got a, we've got a dirt path that walks all the way along the beach about two miles up to a, a little town where my gym's at. And man, like the amount of time I'll go out there and, and I'll just cop a little bit of sunshine on the way to the gym. That's that's where I go. Okay, I'm a better person out here, and I'm just trying to figure out how to bring that kind of energy, uh, you know, back into a relationship or back into an argument or back to a podcast when the internet's not working. Do you know? So, are there certain <laughs> strategies that that you found really helpful? <laughs> oh wow! Uh, yes, absolutely. Number one, number one is whenever we get fearful. Anxiety, our breathing pattern changes. It just, it's as one plus one equals two. We're no longer breathing in our belly. You know, if anybody's taking a yoga class and and yoga, you ask the teacher, what's the most important part about yoga, which is this beautiful, peaceful way to be, they'll always say it's breathing. Breath, isn't that tough? All these body motions and stuff like that, they're so, what's the most important part? Breathing. That's fascinating. So a few years ago, I just started to really pay attention to that. And so, so it's, it's part of everything I do. I, I start my sessions with breathing in the belly, slowing it down. Because when, when we're fearful and we're in, in an anxious state, that's automatic. We don't choose it. It's a fearful state. It's in a, we're, we're in fight or flight. Or we can even get to freeze, you know, which is one step below that where we're just just locked up in the part of the brain that's activated at that point with, with the less oxygen. And this is pretty strictly because we're animals is the lower brain. And it's just, it's biological. And that's what you were talking about before. You know, it's just the biological part, which is fascinating. As soon as you begin to breathe into your belly, we can do it right now. I mean, just for even two breaths, you can feel something different. Begin to activate the higher part of the brain, which is, part of the brain that gets activated in a meditative, prayerful, connected state. When you're at peace outside looking at the ocean, automatically it's going on. And what we have to me, now that I've been more aware of this, when we say that we have free will, that to me is in any given moment, we've got a choice between fear and being locked up and all the things that come with that or the higher one that says, like, it, it doesn't even say it. it. It just feels and it knows that we're we're all connected. And 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 so that that's one breath. And I do that consciously all day long. In the middle of the night, if I wake up, besides my the words that I was saying, the gratitude, I just breathe in my belly. And then when and then when I can't go to sleep, I don't take that as a problem. I take it as an opportunity mm. to breathe and be thankful and to rest. It's a, be- it's a beautiful switch. So, the, so breath is way up there. Uh, then another one. Uh, and I, I don't know the exact nature of your, your podcast, what, what the, but it, does it, does it generally take a spiritual direction? Is that, is that but, the deal? But I'm, 
That's a, you know what's a good question. I um I reckon the listeners would be laughing because not necessarily. It's a so this is a podcast where I've I've done a few sporadic interviews and I'm going to make them more regular. But a uh-huh. lot of the time it's just me talking about things that I've been thinking about, and uh, sometimes maybe it's spiritual, but a lot of times it's probably embarrassing. Maybe those two intersect somehow. So, um, but I wanted you want to talk about this particular stuff, Bert. So hey, feel free to uh, okay, okay. take so, it that direction. So so, so I like I like the word intersect. Because another another word for that is they're connected, and at some level, when I'm at most peace, everything's connected. You know, when we're we're in, when we feel awful, then we also feel we feel disconnected. But so another concept or practice is the practice of trust. I didn't know much about it. Somebody told me about a book. About a year ago, it said you got to be, you know, and, and it's old. You know, I'm Jewish. It comes from the old Jewish tradition, and and trust in uh, in Hebrew was betachen, and it's this beautiful book read written hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And the sages who wrote it said, or, or even the people who commented on it said, you know, when you finish this book, go back to the beginning and read it again. And then when you finish it, go back to the beginning and read it again, because the concept of trust is amazing. And now this is particularly, you know, in whatever higher power you believe in that, that all of our doubts and our fears, we give up to, we and our worry is we don't trust in that moment. Things are going to fall apart. But here we are sitting here, you and me, Things have worked out pretty well, even when we couldn't get our internet to work. <laughs> Isn't that wild? You know, yeah. like even when we all or or when we're scurrying, I've gone out of my way not to scurry anymore because I, what I realized is I don't think once have I ever gotten someplace a little late that it made a difference. So all that scurrying and fear is mean, I don't trust that things are going to be fine. People love me just as much when I show up four minutes late. Mm. You know? Yeah. So trust has been a big one just to go back, to, just to go to just trust. It's going to be fine. Look, look at your life and look at life. Look at like, like we, we trust 24-7, just because the, wor- the world is working for us. <laughs> you mm. know, we have, mm. we have air to breathe. We've got food to eat. We've got, I mean, we, we, we are so dependent. We have to trust all day long, <laughs> you know. And, and then if something is going wrong, then, then we panic. But, you know, when we plug something in, we know we're going to get electricity. And we just, we unconsciously trust. 24-7, just, just to live. So I've just brought that into a, uh, just a practice, which is, you know, thousands of years old. And just to go, Bert, just breathe, breathe and come back here. Things are going to be fine. And you know that. And it's not, it's not in my hands. You know, there's, you know, there's a great saying that says, you know, you know, let go and let God. And, mm. and all those things, all the, all the, all the, the, the words are nice. That, but but to actually to bring that feeling and the reality into it, that that actually becomes 
beyond words. It's practice. So that's that's uh, some of the things I've done to get better at this as I've gotten older. You know? Yeah, that, that's awesome. So it's uh, it's not necessarily something that you sit down for 20 minutes in the morning and go, all right, now this is where I do my spiritual time or this is where I break the anxiety. It's something that, um, you know, the scriptures they talk about pray all day long. And essentially, I guess, in a, in a way, what you're, what you're saying is that like there's there's an awareness in you that goes, all right, well, through the scurry and, and, and all the worry, uh, it hasn't really achieved much. So why not just try and take moments of consciousness throughout the day to go, all right, what's a better alternative to, to you freaking out about this situation? And, um, yes. and that's maybe the most important part to, or most important place to, to put it into practice. Yeah. So, so it is, I, I think anybody who's good at anything practices a lot and I've been blessed. However it happens to work with, you know, world-class runners. And it's just so beautiful to watch their dedication and how everything they do is about how am I going to live a life that has, can allow me to, to do the best that I can be. And their sleep is related and their diet's related. And, uh, every, every, their, their stretching is related. Their massages are related and, you know, how far they, so we live, you know, often just very, I, I, let me back it up. The more conscious we can be, the, the more chance that we have to get to where we want to be. But it takes practice. Practice is maybe if, if, if at the end of this whole thing, you know, what's the one word, you know, that's important. It could very well be practice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. It's amazing. Uh, you brought up running as an example. And obviously I, before I got involved in the comedy world and uh, the Australian football world, my sport was purely dedicated to running a little bit like Dave McNeely, our mutual friend. And um, yeah. I often say how grateful I am that I found that at a young age because it just, it showed you. It showed you the importance of practice. It showed you the importance of discipline. Um, but more than that, like you had to learn to deal with bad races, and then you had to learn to do deal with good races, and then you had to deal with the ups and downs and like the emotional roller coasters. And um, I often say, like you've met Charlie now. He's he's too. I like the idea of getting him involved in some form of martial art in the next couple of years, just because Ooh, yeah. I think uh, I, I just think the discipline, the respect, the, just just that practice that that you've sort of brought up. Um, but not just the, the practice of the movement, but the practice of the, I don't know. I just, I see martial arts as, and especially jujitsu and things like that as a, a great way to practice respect and sort of learn about authority and respecting authority. But more than that, if you develop an interest in it and a, and a love for it, just realizing that, all right, if I want to get any better at this, I'm going to have to keep showing up, but also I'm going to have to get beat up from time to time. <laughs> and uh, that beating up is actually probably going to have some of the most valuable lessons as, as frustrating as it is. I find that with comedy now, Bert. Like as much as I love to get up there and have the, the set of my life and feel like I just tore the house down, every now and then I'll get up and I'll just bomb so hard. And I go, what? What happened? Wow. Like I've done those yeah. I've done those jokes before and I, they got a really good response. And then you got to break <laughs> it down and and some of it's like okay, like what was the what was the atmosphere in the room like when you walked in there? Was it because if you walked into a room where there'd just been a bar fight, it's going to be hard to make people laugh as an extreme example. And the flip side of that is some people some people laugh at the drop of a hat. You go into a room sometimes and you're like, "Oh, you're, you're being too generous here." But the the bombing, like sometimes I sometimes I drive home for yeah. it and I go all right, what just happened? 
because I need to get better because that's <laughs> that's humiliating. And as much as I hate it, some of my best uh, some of my best notes come from those nights where things just fall apart. So so when when that happens, I mean, obviously there's a, a few possible reasons. You know, one is the audience and what's going on, right? I mean, that's what you're not in control of, and the other obviously is your presentation. So what yeah. do you what do you walk away with when, when that you know what do you I, I don't always, know. Just, I, I, I always just ahead. blame the audience so I don't have to look at myself. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm only joking. No, no, because I, 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 as a speaker, I'm a you know speaker. Mm-hmm. I, I've talked to some audiences who, as soon as I walk in, they're they're excited, and I walk into some audiences as soon as I walk in, they they're not excited. You know, yeah. so and 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 not really in control of that. Which which is actually you know if you t- think about another lesson in terms of joy. Is is uh, to learn how to not take things personally. We've heard that from the from the beginning of of ever. You know, hey, don't take it personally. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> which, which 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 literally is almost meaningless in a way because they're words. They're the right words and they're true words. But how to do that? I think is a lifetime of trying to figure out how not to take things personally. Uh, yeah, it's a great point. And if there's any place, honestly, like if there's any place that you feel it's personal, it's when, yeah, and you know this to a to a degree on on stage. Like I think I feel like it's magnified when the only response that you're looking for a lot of the time is laughter. Like sure, silence in the and that tension in the build up to maybe a punchline is fine, but if there's not laughter, sort of every second, every thirty seconds, you know that something's not going as well as it should be. And and honestly, it is. It, that's the hardest part from from time to time. If you sit down after a bomb. It's hard not to feel like everyone in the room didn't hate you. <laughs> and uh, I think sometimes that's why it's good. I always film my sets so I can – I like to pay attention to my body language. I like to ah, get a bit of a ah. feel for the, for the, for the room that, that I'm recording. Um, and sometimes I think the emotions of a bomb are so high that you're convinced everyone hates you. But, but when I look back, it's like you can see maybe they, were, they wanted to laugh in certain parts, but you might have rushed to a point because you felt like you were bombing. And, and just actually, here, how's this for a metaphor? I think sometimes – giving your points or giving your punchlines a, a moment to breathe is something that I'm really learning. Because when I'm nervous, ah, I'll go from a punchline straight into my next point and you might hear people go, <laughs> oh, okay, we're going again. Whereas what a lot of the great comedians do, they'll get to a punchline and especially if it's like a bit of a clever punchline, you need to let it breathe to let it. You've had you've yeah, had however many yeah. chances to practice this joke so you know what it is that you're saying, but the audience is hearing it for the very first time. So they're sort of formulating it all. So sometimes I'll get to that punchline, and if you just have the confidence to go, all right, like leave it there for a minute, it's amazing how much laughter silence can draw. Absolutely, you know, right? I mean, just that word. What's the first word that we practice? I said that's an important word. I think the word pause is maybe one of the most important words too, because then we're not in just moving along quickly. You know, there's there's a grace to it, and then you allow. So, you know, I, I know in my talks and even in my sessions and even today, like right now, I mean, I just, there's something beautiful about pausing. It's like, oh, I really want to, I'm contemplating. I'm, I'm in this other, I'm, I'm letting stuff happen as opposed to trying to make stuff happen. Mm. <laughs> and, and it's, and even in that, then we can go back to trust, you know, that I don't have to make it happen. Yeah. So as a comedian, after you've said it, you go, oh. 
Let them laugh, man. I just trust, trust that you were funny. <laughs> so that I, we'll, we'll see when this is all over where, you know, we have practice and trust and, and, and pause and trust. You know, there's three words that sort of just popping up that are, that are big ones, that yeah. are big ones for this whole idea of how to keep our peace. Yeah. What's your story, Bert, with how you became Jewish? It's a, it's a question I've never asked you before, and it's a it's a confusing one because obviously you have you have cultural um, Jews, and then you have people who are you know later in their life. Like my mother in law has recently become I, I can't remember the actual stream of Judaism that she's started following, but she was originally Christian, and then she went wow. into she went into that scene. And I'm always I don't I can't actually put my finger on exactly what it is I'm so fascinated about by, well, I mean, there's plenty of things. You just have to look at the the history of, of Jews over the last, you know, 150, well, let's go back a couple of thousand years to realise that there's something about this this people group that, you know, it's caught the attention of, um, you know, a lot of the wrong people or <laughs> a lot of the, the powerful people who like to take advantage. And um, yeah. I don't know, I'm always fascinated about the story of how people find themselves in the religion of Judaism. And I've never actually asked you that question. Yeah, well, I, 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 I'm basically, to the best of my knowledge, sort of connected to the beginning. You know, my my ancestors in Europe, my my grandparents and their parents. I don't know too much beyond that, but they they were Jewish, and they left Europe because they were Jewish. Because the the, the the turn of the century, you know, the nineteen 18 to 1900s, they, they were the pogroms, you know, the Cossacks would ride in and just kill people. And that was before, before Hitler. That was just, uh, and we've had that as Jews forever. You know, that's just been part of our world. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't know all the, the reasons for that. I don't know that anybody does. A lot of books have been written about it, about why that is. So when my parents came here, that, that was so, so they were here d- during the Holocaust. And I actually think about that even today. I was thinking, that, here's what I was thinking about is related to what you were talking about earlier. You know, like uh, when I get stressed out, I go, slow down, Bert. Can you imagine being a Jew in a camp? It just slow down and take in how wonderful things are. You know, what are you doing being stressed out right now? It's really a beautiful thing, you know, just to come back to this reality, which is most of us are living the dream. We are, you know, in this amazing Western world that we have, you know, day to day, just day to day. I'm not saying that the whole world is in that place. That's for sure. That's not true. But uh, so I was born into that and and then I was a lot of Jews when they came to America wanted to cover their identity because they saw what happened so I had relatives who changed their name from their Jewish name to like one guy went from Gershader to Green you know because he just you know that that wasn't it And, and many people sort of gave up the practice that their parents took, and that was true with my mother. My grandmother was very religious and stayed kosher. And her entire eight children, none of them went in that direction. They just joined into the community. So 
that was my, that was my background. So I was raised as a reformed Jew, which is the most sort of relaxed version of not too many rules, but you still did the basics. You know, you still did Hanukkah, you still did Passover, and and you still did the New Year. Uh, and that was my life. So I had an identity as a Jew, but no practice. Very, very, very little practice, and very, very, very little knowledge. But I was bar mitzvah. That's when you're 13. You read from the Torah, and then you become whatever you become. Nothing really, but you know that that, that that's a stage, you know, a milestone. 17 years ago, I was in Flagstaff in my office, in my counseling office, and uh, a young man with a big beard, obviously a Jewish guy, knocks on my door and said. Hey, can I come? Can I can I come in? And uh, religious Jew, you know, just wearing black, white, you know, just yarmulke, huge beard, like mine. And, and he said, uh, "Can I come in?" I said, "Sure, come on in. It's good to see you again." He said, "I've never been here before." I said, "Oh, there are two guys here last year that looked just like you." Because <laughs> that that they they do. I mean, they hang around. They, and and I always thought that. We, from our perspective, we always laughed at those Jews when we went to New York City. Hey, look at those guys over there, which is a whole other story about how we, as soon as somebody's different, they're weird. You know, that's, uh, it's easy for us to go there. Not a very healthy place to go. Mm. Uh, and, and this is what changed it. I'll tell you what changed it for me. I, 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 I was not thinking one ounce about becoming more Jewish. Never crossed my mind. This guy comes in, and there was one teaching. There's there's one main prayer. If if you ask anybody a Jew, do you know anything? And what's the main prayer? And they'll say it's the Shema. And it's here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And growing up the whole time, I always thought we figured out Jews because we're so smart that they're not five gods. They're not all these different, you know, guys. There's one God. We figured out. We're so smart. And and, and then. The number there's one, and then I was talking to this rabbi in our conversation. We were talking about one. He says, "Well, more importantly, besides this, there's one. There's nothing but one. Everything is part of the one. Everything is connected. That one, and the word is echad, one. Just resonated with me. It's like, wow, I want to learn more about that." What does that mean that we're everything that goes on is actually connected to something else? And we, we see it. I just walked outside in front of my house, you know, where you've been, this beautiful plant there, and the butterflies were on the plant, and the bees were on the plant, and they were just doing their job. They knew what to do. In this world, you look every place, and there's just connections going on. You know, I talked about it earlier, just how connected we are. There's, there's, there is a one that's so far beyond our understanding. I mean, now we can look out into the universe and see billions of years away or what, what was billions of years away. So there was something about the awe that it struck inside of me that's beyond, literally beyond our understanding, but it's a state that I, that I really believe is one we need more of because what it's we get down into, yeah just awe that we could never take it all in and just be just in awe of it 
which is a beautiful place to be. And, and, and that is also, it's a very egoless state, which is also where we need to go to, you know, to, you know, in, in AA, they have a lot of acronyms. Um, and their acronym from ego, EGO, is edges got out. Which is cool. And it just sort of lets you know that's because then it's all about me. And whenever we're anxious or anything, it's all about me. <laughs> that's a, that's the thing. And letting go of that, awe is the opposite of that. It's like, well, I'm in this thing and I'm a tiny piece of it. And I get and I'm blessed to be able to soak in this so much of this stuff and I matter and I don't matter, all those things. I wish they taught that state. In kindergarten, <laughs> literally, 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 as a, in fact, one of the books that I read, it said we need to. It'd be nice to go to awe as a discipline once a day. In fact, you know, even when I say echad, which is that I one one, that puts me closer to that. I do. I, I go. I one. And somebody asked me, Bert, what do you? One of your skills is is uh, to connect with people when you're with people. You connect. He said. He said, was is there a practice that you do with that? I hadn't even thought about it. But then I realized that going to that state of a chud and awe and makes you connected. And I do that multiple times a day. Mm. Probably does help me be closer to that state. It's a practice. I hadn't even put it together, you know, that, that that I actually do a practice to be to have that feeling of awe. So that's really cool. I had a I had a moment. It's kind of a disgusting example, but it's just funny because mm-hmm. I was driving home from Melbourne last night. <clears throat> and I was listening to a book. I think it's called The Last Highlander, and it's about a Scottish guy who went to Singapore during World War Two to help protect it from J- Japanese invasion. And, and long story short was. Um, it was like a, a massive failure and the Japanese, they took over and he was a prisoner of war for um, maybe two years. And he was explaining wow. that while he was a prisoner of war in a makeshift uh, concentration camp, he, uh, because they were in the tropics, they were in the forest in, in Singapore, I think they were. And he was explaining that one of the things that took a lot of people down was a tropical disease, a tropical ulcer. So due to the constant moisture, due to the, um, I don't know exactly what the cause was, but it was a flesh-eating disease where it got quite deep. He said at one stage it got so bad he could see the bone in the top of his foot. Wow. So he said at this particular concentration camp that was a, there was a, a British doctor and the British doctor, um, he, he saw this guy one day and he said, look, um, what you're facing, it's a tropical ulcer, but there's only one cure that we know of. And the guy goes, oh, what's that? And he goes, well, the, how do you feel about maggots? <laughs> And the guy said, "What do you, what do you mean?" He goes, "Well, if you go to the if you go to the toilet, there's a makeshift toilet, and absolutely covering the toilet are just like millions and millions of maggots." He goes, "the The best way for you to get on top of this, go and pick up a handful of them, put it inside your actual sore. They'll eat away the dead flesh of the foot, and as a result of these disgusting little creatures eating away the dead flesh, you'll be healed." And wow. he he goes, "It was wow. it was my only option," wow. and so he went in. And he said he'd never had so much respect for these little creatures. He went in, he put it on his foot, 
Um, and he said two days later, he felt, he said he just put five or six on. And two days later, he said it was completely healed. The, the dead skin was gone. You could already see rejuvenation taking place. And I thought, well, isn't that crazy? And I was just thinking that as you're explaining how everything's uh, wow. connected, maybe in ways that Good. you wouldn't ever want to acknowledge. But it's, it, is, it is hard not to admit that it's the truth. Like, and obviously that's a, you know, it's a crazy story of how it works. And I know what we're speaking about is much bigger than that as well. But it's amazing how whether you zoom right in or zoom right out, it's, it, it's true. Like things have a way of just working together. The um, let's put a let's put a little uh, uh, a full stop there. I was going to ask you another question, which takes it to a, another level, one that's not spoken about a lot. But I'm curious to to hear your answer to is um, uh, are you are you afraid of dying? Are you scared of death? You don't mess around. <laughs> this is going to be the uh, <laughs> this is going to be the marketing point for the podcast. We'll start Holy with that. Okay. You don't mess around. <laughs> You're afraid of dying. That is the, that's the, that's the big question, isn't it? I mean, it's like, um, certainly at 76, it's on my mind. You know, I think about dying, you know, just, uh, I mean, I'd like, to, I've had a heart attack, uh, when I was in my fifties. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's impossible to not, for it not to be in the consciousness way more than it is when, when you're 26, you know, then it's, you asked me a question, are you afraid of dying? I, I, I don't believe, fear is probably not the best word, but there's, there's something about, for me, it's, you know, it's 76 and knowing that I'll be blessed if I live another 10 years. You know, that's a reality, but I, I could I could live longer. It certainly does. It motivates me to continue doing what I'm doing, knowing that the clock is ticking. Um, and there are just a lot of people who influence my train of thought that says, keep on doing your purpose. You know, so it, in some ways it motivates me, but, it, but it's also I've got to deal with the dark side, too. You know, it's like any any dark thought that we've been talking about the whole time mm. you know oh and really you know dying is as natural as breathing so i sure i mean I, I, there's no way not to be oh to be concerned or whatever the word is about that the greatest unknown that we have which is death and then to somehow come to peace with the one thing we can sure is going to, is going to happen. <laughs> you know, right. It's like, you know, I, I, I don't want to be afraid of the, the one thing I'm sure is going to happen from the day we're born. Like that's, that's part of life. So I guess I just, it's once again, it comes back to the things we've been talking about. It's like, Oh, there's this thing there and I can go to the dark side about all the, and I can also make a choice. And say, okay, that's the way. To, I, I think about that. You know, I just think about everybody who ever lived in history died. <laughs> Nobody's still living. You know, that's just that's just every one of us does that. So I'm I'm working. You know, it's not like it just comes easy, but to, to have peace with that reality, and and also just I'm just blessed to have 
a wonderful wife and a, a wonderful family and wonderful grandkids. And I've had a good life. I don't have a lot of regrets, which I'm blessed. Just total. Not that I don't have regrets. I've got regrets. But so I, 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 it's not something that I, I try to use it. In fact, I just studied this today with a rabbi. It's fascinating. The dark side actually reminds you not to stay there. It has a function. Because at least in the spiritual world, if you say everything was created by, you know, that, well, there's a reason for it. And I really do think that's just the function that way. So if you go there, if I go, oh, worry, then I can remind you, oh, Bert, go back to what's true. Just go back to how amazing this time has been. And just like everybody else, we're going to leave this version. And, and the other part is it was just so, 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 so true. In so many ways, we don't leave. You know, we just have an influence mm. that our energy stays. I mean, I talk to my dad all the time. Every time I go out cross-country skiing, I thank him for taking us skiing when I, when I was two and a half years old. And now my grandkids do it, you know? So it's, it goes back to maybe the very first thing we talked about, that we, or the, one of the first, that we do have a choice every moment where to, where to put our energy. So I, I guess, you know, it's a good question. It makes me ponder it one more time too. It's not something I dwell on in terms of fear. And it's a, once again, it's a practice. Where do I want to go with it? Yeah. And where I want to go is that been a blessed opportunity to be here for even if it got, if it got shut off in a short time, but thank God I'm healthy. No, thanks for asking that question. That's a good question. It's a question I'm, I'm interested in asking in everyone about, because obviously, uh, obviously, as you say, like every, we're in the minority as Louis CK, the U S comedian said, like we're in the minority being alive. Most like, more numbers of humans have, have died than are currently living. And I think that's a, that's a great, that's not a funny, very funny point to put in your comedy special, but it's, it's true. You know, I've, uh, I've just made some friends with a, a couple called Nick and Jenna from our, our church that we've started going to here in, in, uh, in Victorian Ocean Grove is the suburb. And uh, the other day they were casually speaking about their daughters, saying how our boys are, uh, you know, more difficult than their daughters, but they, they only had one daughter with them. And my wife said, "Oh, your daughters like what?" And I said, "Oh, you know, one of one of our daughters passed away. Uh, you know, she was one, one or one and a half, just last year." And uh, anyway, I caught up with the the pastor of our church, and we we're having we we're having a coffee, and he's really good friends with with this couple. And I said, "Hey, what what happened with their daughter? Like, are you able to tell me?" She said, "Oh, it was like just a, an absolute tragedy that that the the mum Jana was was reversing the car, and it was just one of these horror stories that you hear, and." Uh, she thought she thought that her husband had the gate closed. Her husband thought that she had left the kids inside. And and long story short, yeah, she was she was run over and and killed. And uh, and what's so interesting, Bert, was these people like you radiate joy still. And and we went around to their house for tea the other day and or for dinner. Mm. We're there mm. for four. Or, we're there for four or five hours. Mm. And uh, mm. I had I had a chat with Nick. I go, man, like how how are you doing this? Like. How, how are you fine? And uh, for about half an hour he spoke to me and 
beautiful story. Apparently, the pastor of the church was telling me that uh, he was at their house, you know, a couple of hours after it happened, and he heard Nick go into his wife and say, uh, "Hey, no, no matter what, I love you. We're we're getting through this." Wow. He, he goes, wow. "It was a moment wow. where no no one was supposed to hear it. They thought they were in a room by himself. He just overheard it." And I thought, "Hey, what a what a beautiful thing to say just a, a little while after that." But what yeah. he said was um, one thing that really helped him deal with the the death of the daughter is so he's a he's got he's got faith in god he believes in god he believes in heaven he fully believes right now he goes if i if i truly believe what i say i believe then right now she's she's not stressed she's she's she doesn't miss us we just miss her she she hasn't had to experience that grief like Mm. we have Mm. Mm. and uh he goes yeah there's there's moments that we cried there's but everything that he does he he sees from the perspective of you know, he believes what he believes. He's a he's a Christian guy, and he believes that everything, as you say, so it, it comes together for a reason. Yeah. And in his mind, the yeah. way he's explained it was, it's been an opportunity to share a message and to be an example of this message that he he believes so well with people who otherwise might not have seen it. Um, and it's just interesting to I, I mentioned that just because we're talking about the subject of of death, and I guess that's a from the people left behind. That's a nice way to view it. But I guess also what you believe about where you're going after it it changes the way you you see it because I, I get caught up yeah. sometimes thinking about it. I heard about another guy when I was in America um, with my brother-in-law. He was, he was just a learner driver, 16, in the car with his dad. He went to overtake a truck, swerved back in because there was an oncoming car and swerved into a tree and, uh, and killed, his, killed his dad in the process. And just hearing, hearing from these people about how they've navigated these difficult times, I don't know if it, somehow it gives me it gives me more confidence about facing it as well, like actually facing death eventually yeah. because it's like, well, Interesting. I, I don't know what that is, but I, I guess the more you're exposed to it or the more you see of it, I don't know if you find this as true. Like I'm 35 and you've got another 40 years experience on me, but when you start losing people that you know it, I don't know, something about it gets less scary to me. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it becomes what life is, you know, and it, and – it does. So, I, yeah, that it's a beautiful question because it gets, even going there helps you come to grips with probably the biggest thing we have to come to grips with, you know, like uh, that one. So I, it's just, just good for me to have these discussions. I want to just thank you to, because of your own connection to what's important in life. Mm. You guide us. You guide us to those questions. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, awesome, Bert. I um, I won't hold you up too much longer, but one of the other questions I was curious, and I knew we'll do this, and I'm glad we did. I think I've asked one question from the list I sent you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, a, it's a good thing I, did, I, did, I didn't spend too much time trying to get the answers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you didn't. It's, it's, a, it's the last time I'm going to send questions to the podcast guest. <laughs> good. That's right. <laughs> uh, so sort of give a banner, you know, of what the whole thing might be about. Yeah. We could <laughs> talk about anything. Come prepared. <laughs> I like that banner. I like that. that or, or, or better yet, don't come prepared. Just come. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, you've, you've mentioned a couple of books that you're uh, that you're reading continuously at the moment, and one that I'm I'm still yet to read, but uh, uh, I haven't forgotten about is the the music of silence that you recommended to me when I was there. Are, are there any other uh, books that you've yeah. you've been reading or uh, that you that you've loved sort of over the last twelve months that you can remember off so, the top so, of your head? So so funny that you should do that. So what? 
<laughs> well, I have to tell you this one. I, I don't. I don't know if it's suggested that, but my daughter, my my granddaughter, who was eight at the time, she just turned nine. She she was reading Harry Potter. You know, she, she was totally engrossed in Harry Potter. And I said, "Man, you're reading Harry Potter." And she looked at me and says, "Have you? Have you? I'm Baba." And she said, "Have you read it, Baba?" And I said, uh, "No." And she looked at me like I was a freak. You know, she said, "Bobby, you have to read Harry Potter." So literally for the past. You know, four months. You know, now I'm I'm actually on book six, <laughs> and I do. For those of you who haven't read it, it's just it's it's amazing in a lot of ways. You know, one, it's phenomenal creativity, phenomenal uh, uh, entertainment, but it's also it's an ongoing story about black. You know, the dark side versus the light side. It, the the ongoing creative battle of of that. That's just what goes on. And it and it's a never-ending deal. So it's it's really been entertaining, and it's uh, it's way beyond just entertaining. It's just it's the battle that we're all in, in our own versions of of how we do it. Another one, one of my clients. This is really cool. Here it is. The uh, yeah. It's the the return of the prodigal son. Um, by Henri Nouwen. And what's just phenomenal about this book and this one, um. It just took me because there's uh, Rembrandt is a picture that he wrote that, that he did, which is of the coming home of the prodigal son. I didn't even know a prodigal man. I always thought it meant the one who returns, but it's really not. It's the one who wasted all of his money. Prodigal is wasting your money. You know, oh. I, did, I didn't know it. No, me right? no, we always think it's the one who returned. Right. No, it's the one who wasted everything. Right. He asked his father uh, when he was younger, could I have my my share of the. The estate and he took it and he wasted it and he came down to shreds literally you know and then and he had a choice to be a slave where he couldn't even eat the food that he was giving to the pigs or he could go home and actually work for his dad and be a slave to his dad but he could eat at least he could eat the food you know that was serving to the pigs and he came home and the picture is of him on his knees in shredded clothes, his feet torn up with his head in his daddy's chest and his daddy's hands just touching his shoulders with a look that is so soft, letting him back. And the book is just about, you know, the, the author's journey with this picture. And how he saw himself and all the characters. Both and, and then there's a brother, the brother who was there, who when when the prodigal son comes home, his father says, Let's have a celebration. And we'll celebrate. We, we, we didn't know if you were alive. Let's say and and the, the older brother is angry and he's jealous. He said, Man, I, I stayed here the whole time. And I didn't get anything. And he's looking, and you can see he's sitting there with a very distant look on his face, looking at this unbelievably touching scene. And, and the author goes through, first he saw himself as the prodigal son, because he saw how he wasted so much of things in his life. He was a Harvard professor, and he thought he was a big shot, and blah, blah, blah. And then he became, yeah, but really, I, th I see how resentful I can be. And he goes to the, to the older son. 
And then ultimately, and this is what I love about this book, he said, you know, but ultimately in my position, he was, I think, 50, 60 at the time, and, and a priest, he says, I, I want to be the father and welcome people back in, no matter what they did. Mm. It's just a, you know, that's, and that's, I, I think that's where we're all headed. We want to be the father, so we're, you know, which is egoless, which it says, you know, you live how you live. Just and, and tied to that, I was with, with with our genius granddaughter who's five the other day, and I was talking to a friend about I didn't about uh, weird, just weird. And she's five, and she says, "What does weird mean?" You know, they want to know. You know, what are you talking about, right? What what's what's what does weird mean? So I try to tell a five year old what what weird means, and and I and I said. Uh, uh, it's like when somebody's so, you know, so really different, you know, and you and you call them weird. It, it didn't take her a second. She said, Baba, we're all different. It's just stunning as, as a spiritual understanding that our judgments come because people are different. And the truth is we're all different. And this is the prodigal son is about how you just accept people who, who, Maybe violated our values and just see their soul and welcome them back. Mm. And we all have work to do to get to be the father who can get to that point where we can do that. And that takes our own discipline and time and going through, like we talked today, our own hard stuff and learning from it. You know, every, everyone is a lesson. So I, I would suggest reading the return of the prodigal son by Henri Nouwen and, uh, it's a beauty. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome, Pat. It's a beauty. Well, man, as always, as always, what a uh, what a pleasure. Always great to sit down with you and pick your brains and hear your wisdom and just have a little bit of fun. So, uh, uh, as always, it's an open invitation on here, Bert. I'd love to love to have you on, and maybe we can touch base again in a in a couple of months because I feel like these these kind of chats are worth forty five emails. So I always feel like mm. a better friend after a phone call. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, Check you know, out. this is. Thank you for making this happen. Cause really, you know, just you just putting this together does a lot of things, you know, just gets me in touch with what's important, gets to share, which is what, what I'm in this world about, get to connect with my, my new dear, dear friend, you know, you, and we get to march on, on this path that we're, we're carving out. So I want to do it as often as we can do it. Well, let's do it. And, and everybody who's listening, I hope you're, uh, Hope you're enjoying it as much as we are.